the Vuelta España champion for 2020. It's Primoz Roglic. Let's get into it. Cue that intro. The big question is this. How do we use cycling as a tool to improve our health, our happiness and our longevity? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Anthony Walsh and welcome to the Roadman Podcast. Roadman, welcome back Roadman. It's another week, it's another Roadman Podcast, it's another Monday and that's a lot of another's back to back. Another week, another podcast, another Monday. It is, in fact, our last review of the Vuelta of the entire season. The curtain has come down on this year's Vuelta a España, and we have crowned a glorious fitting winner. Slovenia's Primoz Roglic, after being deprived in the Tour de France by Tadej Pogacar in really just dramatic style on La Plata de Belfi on the last time trial, there was no such repeat of history with Roglic. Roglic pushing through some really tough challenges and I actually think that's fascinating so I'm going to get into that summit finish and the last challenge and the tactics and how it unfolded and a lot of nuances that you mightn't be aware of in that hilltop finish because I think a lot of it encapsulates why we love cycling. Before I jump into the podcast and reflect on this historic day for Slovenia, let me ask all you good folk to please head on over to patreon.com. The link is in the bio. It's patreon.com forward slash Anthony underscore Walsh. Last week, and again this week, I can't help harping back to when I had the A1 show because it had such a huge audience and I'm just getting so many memories at the moment on my phone from around that period because it was in full swing and it seemed like it was going to be around forever and unfortunately it's not around forever but we have second bite at the cherry here with the Roadman podcast and it's going brilliant and right now I know it feels like it's going to be around forever but your generosity on Patreon is what makes that happen it's what makes this we'll call it a quirky little startup at the moment what makes it a reality and makes it turns it into you know a a podcast to rival the cycling podcast and Eurosport podcast and there's not that many good cycling podcasts to choose from so please support the podcast so we have something that's going to be around forever if you're getting some value out of it buy me that beer once a month and in return what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you access to the secret podcast and a question I've got a lot on Instagram is when you subscribe do you get access to the back episodes of the secret podcast you absolutely do so in the last episode I just dropped last week, I'm talking about how I'm using DNA testing at the moment to gain a little performance edge. And I talk about a drink that I'm taking every morning that burns fat. Two really interesting hooks there to get you interested. So to get access to that and the other secret podcast episodes, subscribe over on Patreon for the price of a beer once a month. Link is in the bio. Right, folks, let's get into it. La Vuelta España, it's over. So, stage 18, didn't really have much dramatic. Sam Bennett was beaten by Pascal Ackerman and Cantor was toured, which rounded out the podium. But what I want to talk about is the final mountain stage, the day before, it was stage 17, it was the summit at La Covitala. And we had just drama, drama, drama. So, a big breakaway went early in the day. And Roglic was lucky enough to put Hofstede into the breakaway, his teammate. And the breakaway went, and they would go on and contest the finish, but that's not where I want to put my focus because it's two days ago. Where I want to put my focus is what unfolded and the tactics with Roglic and how he held on to this Vuelta Espana. Because with two kilometers to go, when Carapaz attacked, 
it looked like we were going to have a repeat of history. It looked for a long time, and I was watching it. I was on the couch, and I was like, I had this sinking feeling. It wasn't warm in the house, but my palms started getting sweaty. I was nervous for Roglic. I just felt the mugging on La Plata de Belfi by Pogaccia, that he somehow jinxed himself, and it was happening again as Carapaz from Ineos attacked, and he carved out five seconds, 10 seconds, 15 seconds. I was like, oh my God, it's happening. Roglic looked like he was blown. He was isolated. And then what happened was just brilliant. It's why teams put that man into the breakaway early. Hofstead. It was like he got airdropped. It was like he parachuted into the side of the mountain. Hofstead comes back. He hasn't got a lot left in the tank, but he's able to give Roglic that respite from the chase for 400 metres or so. He pulls until he hasn't got a breath left in his lungs. Now, what happens next is equally interesting because we had Carapaz who left Movie Star last year, and by all accounts, he didn't leave Movie Star with a good taste in his mouth. So now we have behind, we have Mark Soler who's in the early breakaway, and we have Heinrich Mass, both from Movie Star. And we have, I would call it like a trifecta of incentives for Movie Star to ride. Heinrich Mass is fourth on GC, Dan Martin is fifth, and he's dropped. So they want to ride to get away from Dan Martin. There's no love loss for Carapaz. These movie star boys do not like Carapaz. They're pulling to get away, to bring him back because they don't want him to win. And Primoz Roglic, he's the anointed son in cycling at the moment. He can do no wrong. He's a career maker. To have a favour banked from Primoz Roglic, it's a very, very valuable favour. So those three reasons, Soler gave and saved Roglic's Vuelta a España. He pulled, he pulled, he pulled. Then Heinrich Mas took up the pulling. Roglic was finally able to jump clear. And in the end, Carapaz only had 15 seconds at the line, still leaving a 24-second buffer on Roglic to win this year's Vuelta a España. It was epic stuff. And just to understand that dynamic when you're watching it play out in real time, Dan Martin's distance, yeah. Are they going to get two and a half minutes from Dan Martin or whatever they needed? Probably not. But they don't know that at the time. So they're driving for that. They're driving to bank that favour from Roglic. And I think most importantly and crucially to this, they're driving because Carapaz left a sour taste in their mouth. They're driving to wipe that smirk off his face that he went to Ineos. And those three reasons, Roglic hangs on to a Vuelta España. Second year in a row, and it's a famous, famous win for Roglic. Incidentally, uh, Chris Froome was awarded the win of the Vuelta a España from 2011, which I thought was a nice touch. And I'm sure a welcome morale boost. Uh, Juan Jose Cobo obviously got popped for being a dirty drug cheat and they took it off him. So Froome had been previously given the title, but he was awarded the trophy, which I thought was a nice touch from the Vuelta organisers. Uh, Roglic, over the course of this Vuelta, he of course won the opening stage and three more along the way. But it was this race that got away from him at times where he twice lost the lead to Carapaz. And as a cycling fan, it just leaves me wondering whether Carapaz... I think Carapaz, as much as I've berated him on the podcast and been very, very critical of him at times in his attitude and the way he deals with people... I think he rode a very good race and he was let down big time by his team. Ineos have not come this season strong enough. Now, Theo Gegenhardt won the Giro, but as the podcast listeners will know, I wasn't too invested in the Giro, so I can't speak to the nuances of that race. 
But if you look at even how he won it, like he mugged it, he won it on the last day. So there was no requirement from the team to step up to the mantle, step up to the plate, to be weighed, to be measured. Because that's what's happened in the Vuelta, that's what's happened in the Tour. They've been weighed, they've been measured, and they've been found wanting time and time again. Carapaz, he was exposed in the high mountains, he was exposed on flat stages throughout the course of the race. It was a tragic enough performance from Ineos. And this season, Jumbo Visma have absolutely definitively marked themselves off as the number one team in cycling at the moment if you look at Sepp Kuss Sepp Kuss is there to the death with Roglic he's there beyond how long team leaders are hanging in from other teams like you look at Thibaut Pinot and riders like that from Francis de Joux on huge salaries team leaders and domestiques from Jumbo Visma they've Carapa or sorry they've uh, George Bennett they've Tom Dumoulin and they have Sepp Kuss, and they're all hanging in longer than team leaders of other teams. So when you add Roglic into that mix, you four Jumbo Visma lads at the spicy end of a bike race when other teams don't even have one. Um, so two things struck me in that bike race. It was Roglic and Jumbo Visma's dominance again, and after the race, Roglic was definitely fast to acknowledge that. He said, my whole team is special. We've done special things this year. Uh, this Vuelta they've pushed even when we've not been on our best moments we've done our best and it's been amazing I'm really happy and I'm glad to be a part of this team when you win more you learn more about how you enjoy it but it's always a different story and a different race you can you can't always compare it to last year it's definitely it's an amazing place to be that we're in right now Roglic you absolute legend but the second thing that jumps out on me this race is I'm actually Sorry, three things that jump out at me. The failure of Ineos, Roglic's dominance, and the emergence of Hugh Carty as a GC rider. And after the race, he said, my career has changed a lot now in the future. I want to try for Grand Tours. I don't want to stop now with the team I have. I'm in a perfect place to fight for these races. And I'll be able to count on great support from the squad because there's a lot of opportunities ahead. There certainly is. Hugh Carty proved again on that Kovaitia, the last challenge on the Saturday. He proved that he's just a set of balls on this kid. And I know a friend of mine, uh, Aaron Bugle, who actually used to co-host the A1 show with me, which I was talking about at the start, he was teammates with Hugh Carty at Rafa for a number of years, and he said he's a lovely guy, so it's great to see him. It's great to see him just progressing, and now a serious Grand Tour challenge, and he has a friend of the show, Rusty Mike Woods, up there in the high mountains with him. So, you know, it's been a role reversal where Woods, I tipped him at the start to ride GC. He had a crash on the first day, which put him out of GC. He went on one a couple of stages. But he's going to be a perfect foil and a great super domestique. So if EF Education can add a little bit of strength in the off-season and Hugh Carty can step up a small bit more, we're looking at him as a serious Grand Tour contender. He looks like a longer, he looks like a stretched out version of Froome. Like if you got Froome by the toes and the fingers and you just pulled him, he's just a slightly longer version. Uh, the other thing that I noted from this race was they said goodbye to Rory Sutherland. So I'll hopefully get Rory Sutherland on from Israel Startup Nation. Now he was a great teammate for Dan Martin all through this race, Dan Martin getting fourth. But he's been a great rider over the last decade, so I'll try and reach out and get Rory on the podcast in the next couple of weeks. He's someone whose career I follow quite closely because he raced in the US around the same time as me when the Tour de Gila, Tour of Bose, before going on riding with Saxo Bank and some of the biggest teams in the world, movie star, and now finishing at Israel. 
so yeah a footnote for a lot of people but i definitely notice these things i especially start to notice people of my generation starting to retire which is maybe quite telling in a lot of ways anyway the story of the day the story of the week the story of the season it's primos roglic he's added to his classics win by defending his vuelta a spania title Roadmen, thanks for listening. It's another week. Get out there, get it done, and make it a week to remember. And you know what I'm going to say. I'm going to chat to you again tomorrow. Okay, stop what you're doing. It's Anthony again. I want to talk to you for one second about the next step in the Roadman journey. I'm laying down a challenge for you. It's called the eight week challenge. So for eight weeks, I'm challenging you to be the very best version of yourself, whatever that is. For eight weeks, I wanna take you under my wing and I wanna personally build for you a customized training plan on our analytics platform. This plan is gonna be laser focused on your goal and I'm gonna navigate around your life, your work, your social commitments. So don't worry about what your circumstances are right now. I remember after I took some time out of cycling, I went off and thought I was Billy Big Businessman. I came back and I realized I wanted to get into cycling, but I knew after a bit, the training alone, it actually wasn't making me any fitter. I needed an entire system. It needed a 360 overhaul. So for the first time ever, I want to share with you this exact system I used to get back in shape. I'm talking stuff like I'm going to give you my morning routines, the cold therapy I use, the cookbooks and recipes I used, and even the motivational audios I listen to to get back on track. So right now, what I want you to do is pause this audio, go to www.roadmancycling.com forward slash eight week, or check out the link in the bio, click that. So one more time, it's roadmancycling.com forward slash eight week. Chat to you all soon.